This is the very first deep conversation recorded for the Nerton Tour podcast. I couldn't ask for a better guest than Fajar Sidik, a known influencer in the maker community who is always there for you to support, provide feedback and help to get customers for your bootstrap project. Fajar lives in a culturally dense and diverse Singapore and whenever possible he's visiting nearby countries with his laptop and yo-yo. Let's dig into the digital nomad topics with Fajar Sidik. If you would like to know more about our conversation, just go to nerdontour.net slash Fajar. This is F-A-J-A-R, nerdontour.net slash Fajar. Hello and welcome. I am Piotrek Bodera and this is Nerd on Tour podcast for digital nomads. Since 2005, I've been working in tourism and web development around the globe. Here, I combine the best bits of the internet, long-term traveling and decentralization. Each episode unlocks wisdom through the power of thoughtful conversation. My guests are fascinating personalities, vagabonds, developers, artists, entrepreneurs, free spirits, technologists. Together, we explore unique ways of life that will expand your autonomy. Listen to the Nerd Under podcast for free in your preferred podcast app. Would you like to be notified about new episodes? Subscribe to Nerd on Tour newsletter. It's an email subscription list about all things digital nomad. Each Tuesday, you will get a minimalistic email from me. It can contain a short story, link to a new blog post or podcast episode. Every time I try to make it practical and thoughtful. Subscribe at nerdontour.net slash newsletter. Welcome to Nerd on Tour podcast. My name is Piotrek Bodera, and today I'm joining Fajar Sidik, which is my friend from Singapore. Uh, we met a few months ago in Singapore, then again in Kuala Lumpur, and he's an incredible maker. He's an influencer in the maker community, and uh, I am really, really happy to, to talk uh, with Fajar today. Hello, Fajar. Hello. Hi, Piotrek. How's it going? I'm very good. How about Hi. you? Yeah, I'm fine. My name is Fajr Siddiq and I'm from Yishun in Singapore. And I'm a serial entrepreneur, indie maker, influencer, producer, a professional Europe player, as well as a judge, and digital nomad, designer, and developer. So that's like uh, the things that I'm doing currently right now. Excellent. So, excellent. So it's in the afternoon right now, and I'm really happy to actually speak to PureTrack. <laughs> okay, Fajr. So I'm very interested from the perspective of the culture background and the experiences of the people who, who I talk to. And I found that uh, you are uh, very, very serious about underlining that you are from, from Singapore. You have uh, your uh, Malay roots and mm -hmm. um, you're also big into uh, the culture of uh, Islam. And um, I also saw the pictures of you going to Mecca in, in 2018. Uh, and this is like uh, the, the most important journey yeah, for, for every uh -huh. A believer to to go there uh, yeah. so if you could uh, tell me briefly uh, like how do you feel this this uh, culture and uh, how it is important to you and how yeah. do you contribute 
the culture because I, I also know that from the production side you you started the, the in productions uh, mm -hmm. right after you you get it back from Mecca. Yeah, so uh, how it actually began is um, you know throughout my whole life uh, I was already born uh, as a Muslim, so I was brought up in a Muslim uh, family. Mm -hmm. So we believe in the religion of Islam. And then um, as soon as I grow up until, you know, those teenager days, I just go out, mm. spend time with friends, uh, you know, do those teenager stuff. Mm. So I'm not really a practicing Muslim, honestly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, until uh, in 2011, uh, I started out my company and then uh, it was doing quite well the first year, my startup. Uh, the, uh, the company name is called Euphoria. And then mm -hmm. in 2012, uh, something happened uh, big in my life, which mm -hmm. is um, my late parents uh, passed away. So it was my mom mm -hmm. on the 1st of March. And then 17 days later, it was my dad. Mm -hmm. And then in 2013, uh, it was my late brother, my second brother. Mm -hmm. So what was happening was um, there was like uh, this... Uh, you know, something happened in my life. So I didn't have uh, anyone to actually to uh, really speak up to. Mm -hmm. So back then when I was uh, doing my business, it was just, uh, you know, just me, my laptop, paying bills and, um, you know, where I was uh, studying. Um, I didn't really study like computer science. I don't study about graphic design. Mm -hmm. so everything else was just uh, self-taught from 2005 so it's pretty much a lot of a DIY stuff mm -hmm. and then right until I decide uh, from freelancer and then to 2011 I started a company but something happened in my life in 2012 so uh, I was really excited to actually start to my uh, start my company and then something happened and then I realized that uh, I should put a pause uh, and then I started to find uh, something uh, that is spiritual that's something that I could uh, rely on Mm -hmm. So there was not a single human actually that I spoke to would actually understand my what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. So as a Muslim, you know, uh, we have this uh, thinking of like, you know, there's a lot of uh, tests in life, you know, tests, trials, tribulations. Mm -hmm. So every Muslim who wants to be Muslim, definitely they will go through a, a, a test, you know. Mm -hmm. So this, this was actually a test for me. So, um, so that's where I started to begin uh, to uh, come closer to God. Um, you know, start to practice, uh, pray on time, and then go to the mosque, and then um, you know, started to learn the book uh, Quran. Mm -hmm. uh, back then, I didn't learn about the Quran. I just like you know read some Arabic words and some letters because it's so difficult. I'm 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 Malay, so mm -hmm. I speak uh, Bahasa Melayu, and you know for me to read uh, Arabic is difficult because mm -hmm. I wasn't brought up in an Arabic school or like the religious school. I was just brought up in a normal secular school. I study English, science, mm -hmm. uh, Malay and everything else. Mm -hmm. So it was very challenging for, for me. So I started to uh, buy a book uh, out of the, the money that I uh, made in my company. So it was only $50. So I mm -hmm. bought a a very simple book and it was a translation you have this translation so i understand the meaning and then uh, i started uh, to read but i wasn't 
able to read because it was in a Romanized. So you just imagine there's a phrase, like mm -hmm. a text, and then but it was uh, translated into a Romanized. It's like a spell out kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I tried to read and then memorize, but um, the recitation wasn't so good. So I started to go to YouTube and start listening to other, uh, you know, other imams or scholars mm -hmm. or reciters, so Quran reciters. So they recite very beautifully. So I started falling in love and uh, I started to uh, memorize. So as soon as I became very close uh, to, to listening to Quran, it was very relaxing because I was going through a very uh, tough time in my life because I was losing my parents, losing someone that I love, mm -hmm. that I live with for all my life. So you know, I was very lonely and uh, I don't know what to do. And I just started to, you know, read and understand everything about life. Because everything in the Quran, they say a lot of things about life, about, you know, you can understand a lot of things. There's so many things in there. So basically, mm -hmm. it's a book that it guides you. It's a very good book. And uh, I started to read, but I realized that uh, my recitation is not so good. And then uh, in 2000 and uh, somewhere 13, uh, I was still reading, but not that well. So uh, I started another startup. It's called Demand Clothing. So that's where uh, my passion towards yo-yoing, because I was mm -hmm. yo-yoing for more than like, I think 15 years at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like youth. So a uh, group of people like, you know, teenagers, they play yo-yos, uh, like hobby stuff, like cycling, like, you know, performing arts, like juggling, like playing Diablo. Mm -hmm. So something that uh, I like to share, like creative. So I was running that startup for about, I think, one year. I make very good sales. Like I sold more than like, at that point in time, I sold more than about, I think, close to 700 over T-shirts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But later on, then there's more. Yeah. But at that point in time, that year, because I was very down and I don't know what to do. And then uh, I still running my first company, but then... Uh, it was just a very small graphic design agency. I was just serving some friends and a very small group of uh, startup, you know, a local startup. Mm -hmm. And I was just learning about how to do business and everything. So it was, it was very uh, difficult. And it's about, uh, you know, I always wanted to do something that, you know, with my own money uh, and then make money out of uh, money that, uh, that I have or the tools that I have. So pretty much it's very bootstrap. So I always have this uh, fear of like, you know, going to investors. Because in the past, uh, I did have some uh, uh, dealings with some other like angel investors mm -hmm. for small business, uh, but it was not that successful. And <clears throat> we did get investment, but it was not how it is. And then, uh, yeah, so I started my own company and then demand clothing, so T-shirts. And then with that money uh, that I made, I saved the money. And I went to this uh, worship called Umrah. Means in Arabic term, means it's called visiting or sightseeing. Mm -hmm. But the real thing is called Hajj, going to a Hajj where all the Muslims needs to uh, perform. So they have five things to be a Muslim. Like one, you'd have to take the Shahada, you have to believe the God, and then the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu which is uh, the messenger of God. And then you have to uh, pray five times a day, which mm -hmm. is the five times a day, which means like in the morning, which is called Fajr, which is my name also. My <laughs> the, the name of my meaning of my name is the prayer name, you know? Yeah, yeah, good so, to know. <laughs> yeah. And then second is uh, Zohr, which is in the afternoon, probably around 1 p.m. in the Singapore time or in the 
Kuala uh-huh. Lumpur time. And then Asar, which is around four plus, and then uh, Maghrib is around seven plus uh, in the evening, and then night, which is at around eight, which is close to seven uh, to eight p.m. So, and then after that, you can just like sleep and done. So that's um, like the five uh, salah or the fart mm-hmm. uh, fart prayers. They call it mm-hmm. fart to prayers. And then the third one, which is uh, you need to. Uh, um, Pay zakat, which is help the poor and the needy. So mm-hmm. in the in the month of Ramadan, you actually uh, need to fork out the money if you are um, a Muslim and then you have to fork out. So depending on your country, depending on uh, your country, meaning that uh, every country they have their own um, you know Islamic uh, council. Mm-hmm. So they have the mufti and everything. You just follow the law and the Sharia law the local law and the Sharia law, the Islamic law, and they will tell you how much you have to pay based on the rice that you eat. <clears throat> so my rice probably a packet costs probably like $12 or something. So uh, it also depends on how much uh, the year of uh, the zakat that you need to pay. So they have the website for that and everything you just follow through. <laughs> so I paid about around, I think $5 plus. Yeah. So they have even like $7. And you can also do other uh, kind of zakat as well. There's a zakat for business. There's zakat for your own, which is zakat fitrah, they call it. Mm-hmm. And then that's zakat helping the needy. And then the fourth one, which is uh, fasting in the month of Ramadan. The month of Ramadan uh, is a spiritual month for most Muslims all around the world. So mm-hmm. for Muslims, they have their own calendar, right? Like Ramadan, Shawwal, Hijjah, Zulqaeda, and there's so many months, just like January, February, March, which yeah, is the yeah. Greek, Greek calendar, right? So mm-hmm. for us, we have these... Uh, the month and then the year so like example uh we are now in the year of 2020 so mm-hmm. for muslims uh, or islamic calendar they have the hijri hijri calendar which is the 1440 mm-hmm. hijri, which is a h letter h yeah <clears throat> so in the month of ramadan we just fast for 30 days so we wake up uh, for suhur or we call it sahur uh, and then we will eat and then as soon as uh, the call to prayer, which is the sun is rising, then we cannot uh, eat. And then we will fast all the way until um, uh, 7 p.m. And then we will break fast. And then we will start eating and drinking. So throughout the day, we don't uh, eat or drink, but we can do a lot of uh, good deeds. So like uh, performing a lot of good deeds, you know, like uh, charity work. Uh, we can recite the Quran. There's so many good deeds that you can do, like helping the neighbors. There's so many things, you know. For mm-hmm. as long as you're doing good deeds, uh, you will be rewarded uh, by the God Almighty, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And last but not least, which is the fifth one, is going to the Hajj. So that is where uh, I think Hajj. Every country they have their quota, meaning that uh, depending on how many people that is actually going. So like for Singapore, I think it's about around 500 or 600 people per year. So for mm-hmm. Malaysia, they have more people. So all these names will be uh, registered under the council and they will send you like, a, I think like a mail or they will call you up or something and that you are eligible to go. So and then you got to prepare for your money and then your flight ticket. And then you have to go for at least I think about, I think one month plus or maybe up to three months. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I haven't go to Hajj before. But some of my friends, uh, they are so lucky because uh, they are actually a preacher. So uh, they are Ustads, so they are actually learning. So while they are learning at other country, they actually can go to uh, Hajj as well together because they are actually studying across. I mean, they are studying in the Middle East. So there's this other place like Mecca, Medina. 
another mm-hmm. um, Middle East a- uh, area where the university is at. So uh, looking at all these five pillars of Islam, um, you know, I wanted to go Umrah. So when I went to Umrah, it was a it's a life changing for me because uh, I went there to actually uh, to just to seek for forgiveness. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I felt that I have so much sins in my life that I have done so many bad things that I cannot mention now. <laughs> mm. It's like uh, it's not a good thing to mention about the bad. Of course, don't do not brag about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so many things. Okay, I can share with you one thing that uh, I think is very visible, so I cannot hide it. Example, my tattoo. So my tattoo is something that's very visible on my arm, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it's something that uh, <laughs> is forbidden in, in the religion of uh, Islam. So mm-hmm. back then, I was pretty much very influenced in the punk rock culture and the music. That's where I started DIY at a young age, you know, at 14 mm-hmm. years old. You know, I was uh, much in love with music and playing guitar, playing drums, composing tons and tons of music, lyrics. Nice. Uh, Uh, writing about uh, love songs, broken-hearted songs. Yeah, I used to be in relationship. Typical teenage stuff. Every one of us. Through through the punk rock culture as well, I I also met a lot of uh, huge rock stars like Newfound Glory. Uh-huh. I met them in real life. I met a uh, comeback kid. The uh, is they they were from the hardcore scene. Uh, in US, uh, the comeback mm-hmm. kid, the guy, the lead vocalist, f- totally forget his name. There's so many hardcore bands and uh, punk rock bands. So I was very much involved in the music scene. That's why back in the days, uh, I started to travel at the age of 14 and then 17 and then 19 because I used to go uh, to gigs, like shows, to music shows in Kuala Lumpur as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> nice, nice. Yeah, so um, the reason why I will, I was very much associated with uh you know believing this as religious because uh you know I just want God to forgive my sins <laughs> mm-hmm. and I want to be guided in life and then uh, you know I want to collect as many rewards as I can to do good deeds I think mm-hmm. uh that's the ultimate goal and I want to achieve this test that what God have uh for each one of us for every person In this world, so there's like a lot of tests that we don't know. Sometimes you cannot even question ourselves because we cannot even blame people for some for something that happened. You know, my mom, my dad passed away. I cannot blame um, them. You know, for not being healthy or anything. You know, something that happened is already written. As a Muslim, we believe that uh, in our life, uh, everybody's uh, journey in their life, you know, is written in the book. It's called Luh uh, Mafus. This book is only kept within the angels. Uh, so the angels will keep the book and then the shaitan, the devil will try to steal away this book because they wanted to know the secrets from the God. <laughs> mm-hmm. So imagine, we don't know uh, what my life is is going to be like. So I just continue and uh, be strong uh, towards my journey for myself to better myself spiritually, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it ha- Quran helps me uh, to to cure my uh, mental health as well. When I was stressed, and I was down, I was very sad. You know, listening to it, uh, it calms me and uh, it makes me think better. And uh, I feel that I should help more people, uh, not only Muslims and also as well as non-Muslims. So that's where I decided to um, to uh, create the production to benefit. Uh, Islam in the most simplest way to share 
uh, about the Quran by just listening and watching a video. So it's not pretty much like a very long, uh, you know, those kind of like you sit down in a lecture and then you have to listen everything. Mm -hmm. You know, some people will not be comfortable with that. So uh, most of the videos content that I produce uh, at my third startup, which is in productions right after I came back from the Umrah, which was the 14 days uh, tour, was visiting and just uh, eating nice food in the Middle East. And I get mm -hmm. to see the big, huge mosque. And I have to, then I get to read uh, the history and explore the places. It was really beautiful uh, in, in Saudi Arabia. And the culture is so rich, as in like uh, with food and the people and lots of things. And right after I came back, I started a startup and I registered a company. So in Singapore, you know, if you were to run an Islamic company, uh, you have to go through uh, some sort of like, a, like, a, you know, like an audit or something like that, you know. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, the, let's, uh, yeah. let's uh, put this uh, in like later note because I, I would like to to ask about you uh, to, about the the companies and, and setting up the companies yeah. in in a, in a while. Uh, let's just uh, get back to to the point of of uh, just your your trip to Mecca. Yeah. Uh, could you just um, tell uh, like a short version of um, how how it looks in terms of like how do you need to prepare for it, then how it is in the place, and then when you come back, like are there some some specific uh, rules to follow as a as a Muslim person? Uh huh. Yeah. So when I was preparing to go to uh, the Umrah, which is like uh, the visiting, so. Uh -huh. There's the two places. So it's called uh, Masjid al-Haram, which is in the state which is called Mecca in Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. And another one is the mosque called uh, Masjid al-Nabawi, which mm -hmm. is a prophet mosque, Prophet Muhammad wasallam, And that is in Medina, the state of Medina, and then in mm -hmm. Saudi. So uh, when I was there, the distance is about probably eight hours bus ride. It's something like like going to Singapore, KL, KL back to Singapore. The distance, I think it's something like that. <laughs> it's uh -huh, uh -huh. easier to understand. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, yeah. So uh, what preparation that I needed to do was just to bring myself and be prepared. And there was a simple clothing that I needed to bring was like this piece of white cloth. Like uh, it's like, um, like made out of like a towel, but it's called ihram. So this white cloth you cover uh, on your top of your body. So it's a, it's a must to wear for men. They cannot mm -hmm. wear any other clothes when they are performing the Umrah. But right after you finish your Umrah, and then you can change to other kind of uh, uh, clothing that is appropriate, you know? Means mm -hmm. it's like covered or anything. Uh, so uh, I brought that ihram and then uh, just a backpack and just a simple lug empty luggage because I wanted to buy some... Uh, food over there and some uh, nice delicacies right. and so many other stuff like books and everything you know so i went there uh, i took the flight um i think it was more than 14 hours flight i think through the saudi arabia airlines i think yeah yeah and then we arrived but the, and then we, we we stayed in the hotel and everything and then we started our umrah the next day it was a very quick uh, one whole day kind of thing we started in the early morning so the, the, the Umrah was, the first one was uh, we need to do the Tawaf. The Tawaf means you have to do like seven times, you have to go around the the Kaaba. The Kaaba is the black, 
like the black looking box thingy in the oh. middle in the Masjidil Haram with the mosque, the Haram mosque where all the Muslims would pray. So the woman would be there, the men would be there. So everybody would just go around, uh, circling around and it's called Tawaf. And then they have the starting point and then they have the end point. And then right after you've done that, and then you have to pray uh, two rakat, like the salah, the prayer, uh, behind the Maqam Ibrahim. Mm-hmm. Maqam is the place where Nabi Ibrahim, salam, another prophet, and then just pray, and then done, and then you will go to Safa and Marwa. This is the place where uh, there's a history about that, uh, regarding about this water called Zamzam. So how Zamzam was, uh, you know, the water came out from the from the earth, from the desert. Uh, so the Safa Marwa history, you can read more about Safa Marwa history. So uh, that place is called Sa'i. So I have to run like seven times uh, uh, at this section. They have the light, the green color light. So you just follow through and just run. And then you, right after you finish the run, straight ahead. It's like a hundred meter dash. I don't know. It's like hundred meter dash. You just mm-hmm. run. And then you just stop and end. And then you just make uh, some prayers. Uh, you just put up your hand, both palms. And then you just make uh, the dua or the prayers, supplication to to Allah, to God, and then once done, and then you would do the same thing and repeat that, I think, like a couple of times. And then once done, the Safa Marwa, which is a Sa'i, and then last but not least, you will do the Tahlul. So the Tahlul is uh, the one that you will shave your hair, your head, not the head, mm-hmm. I think the hair or the head, I don't know, the hair actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The hair. So, me? Do you do this like, like as a monk? Uh, um, okay, Hmong is a different thing. So for us, it's yeah. a Muslim. Yeah, yeah we will shave that. So you have two choices. You have two choices. One, uh, you can just use a scissors and cut. But the reward for just cutting uses a scissors is just one. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the reward is just one. But if you like shave bald, like mm-hmm. totally like, like, you know, bald, and then the hair is all done and gone, uh, that you will get reward three times. The, the reward will get you will get three rewards so okay. you can either do it yourself but a lot of people do it diy but i we went to a proper barber shop so the guy would just spray in this uh uh water uh then this water is also specially made uh, but this is more a culture thing not religious the the, the 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 water so the water is they call it the thousand flowers it's like a thousand of petals that has been uh, compressed and then uh, they just squeeze everything and then they get the water from there. It's so the, 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 the smell is so nice. Yeah, so they can just spray on top of our head and then they start shaving you using the shaver and everything and then done. And then once you're done, you're done with the tahlul, which is the shaving of the head, the mm-hmm. hair. And then you can just go back to your hotel or you can just chill out, eat some kebab or eat some burgers or something mm-hmm. because you're done with the umrah. So, and then you can just do other good deeds and prayers uh, in the Masjidil Haram. Because the, the reward of Masjidil Haram, if you were to pray, just one prayer, because we have five prayers a day, right? So, you to mm-hmm. pray only one time, you will get the reward is as if like the whole entire of your life you have been prayed. So, that's, that's the reward. That's why there's so many people wants to go to uh, Masjidil Haram, the mosque itself, the Haram mosque, because of the, the rewards that we can get. So once it's done, we go back to the hotel, we kind of like just rest. And then uh, we'll continue all uh, our prayers and our good deeds. And, you know, we keep on doing all our things that we need to do. But the Umrah is just simple, just Tawaf. And then the Sa'i, which is uh, the running thing. And then mm-hmm. the third one, which is just the Tahlul. That's all, done. Then the rest, you just do uh, side 
sightseeing and visiting, you just take the bus, there will be a tour guide. They will just tell you where you want to go and see and explore uh, the history of Islam in Makkah and as well as in Medina. So in Medina itself, they have like uh, the, the graveyard behind the mosque. And then inside the mosque itself also, they have the the grave of uh, the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, and then his best friend and his uh, leader, leader in his uh, in his clan. Mm-hmm. And these are uh, the important people, uh, like good friends, good companions of uh, the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. So there's uh, three bodies uh, the gra- in the graveyard in the mosque Nabawi. So you only can just uh, pass by and say some salutations and just go. You can't just like open the door and, you know, like praying mm-hmm. there. You you can't pray too, you know, on a, another people. And then you just go out and done. So it's just like more like, a, you know, walking and just passing by. And other than that, we can just pray in the mosque and the reward is so huge as well. And then the Prophet Mosque also used to be the house of the Prophet Mosque as well. So we can we can get a chance to pray in there as well. And the reward is also uh, huge. It's called Arauda, the place. Arauda is one of the name uh, in the heavens. So a lot of people will rush to that place. So how to know that is Arauda? You can see the color of the carpet. So they have the color of the carpet, like green color. So <clears throat> a lot of people will notice that, oh, this is the section or this area is the place where it's called the Arauda. So they will just pray and make a lot of... Uh, uh, supplication and everything so they will ask for a lot of things like uh, for wealth or health for forgiveness everything from god and then mm-hmm. that's it done and then they will just go back to hotel probably go shopping i mean outside in naba we most there's starbucks as well <laughs> if you want to do starbucks you want a h&m you can shop at h&m as well outside the mall it's amazing i mean like i've been to saudi and it's like you know their the tourism is amazing it's amazing like food everything is accessible and you can just they can understand you. And so I was shocked that they actually can understand Basa Melayu also. <laughs> and they were asking, where are you from? I said, I was like, from uh, Singapore. And then they were like, you know, Singapore? Where is Singapore? Uh, <laughs> just beside Malaysia. Oh, Malaysia, Malaysia. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yes. from Singapore, Singapore. You know, in Arabic, Singapore means Singapore. So uh-huh. it's like really interesting, you know, the way how people communicate. And yeah, those are just those like shock keepers like the shop owners so yeah, yeah. Really, really interesting excellent so, yeah, so after then that then i was just uh you know i i go back from the trip and i started to be more serious uh about memorizing the quran and reading the quran and improving my recitation because my goal in life is to get a lot of rewards like tons and tons of rewards like these rewards can't be seen only in the day of judgment uh, each one of us will have the book so Either we will will receive this book from the left hand or the right hand and then we will check whatever we have done and then, uh, you know, if you've done the good thing and then, you know, God will, you know, will reward you and, you know, your place will be in the heavens. And then if you don't, and then the place will be in hell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, this topic about hell and heaven thingy. So you can read more about it in the holy book, which is the Quran. There's so many. It's like in English. There's so many language. So I went when I was there. Also, I was shocked because I went to a factory that they produce, uh, the book Quran also like uh-huh. tons of book, like millions of book, and um, there there's so many translation like Chinese, Russian, and some of the languages as well. I can't remember. There's so many languages. 
and now they they make it accessible as well online so you can just go to like quran.com and then you can just see everything you can just find whatever meaning and if you don't know you can always ask an expert or like mm-hmm. someone who is a certified uh, scholar based on the country yeah not everybody who preach will preach correctly or rightly okay. so you need to find the correct source and the people who you know graduate so, from university would you uh, recommend uh, a source uh, that, that that you find useful especially for others who are um, you know totally uh, not aware of of what is islam uh, yeah. besides of course the, the holy book uh would you would you point to to a movie or a website or a, or a mm-hmm. book that could somehow explain more for me there's two types of things the two types of way you know um i will put it this way so you can put the digital way mm-hmm. or you don't uh, or you can just go down and see for yourself so mm-hmm. for a lot of countries nowadays in i think most part of the world they have mosques right and they have the councils So councils definitely needs to work with the government whichever country they're from. So you can actually go down to the mosque and ask questions that uh, you are interested about uh, exploring about Islam and have some questions. So they have these imams, they have some uh, executive uh, people who's working uh, in the mosque. So mm-hmm. uh, you can ask any questions uh, regarding about uh, you know interfaith or interreligious uh, topics as well. You know, there's a, because in Singapore, uh, we focus more about racial harmony and interfaith. So diversity is very important for us. Uh, building a cohesive community is very, very important for us. We respect other religions like Christian, the Jews, uh, the Hindus, and so many more. And uh, it's very important for us to stay in a very happy country, meaning that in harmony, in harmony. Yeah, yeah. So in because Singapore close to other people yeah in singapore like physically yeah, <laughs> yeah. So in the mosque in the mosque they, they they have many uh, different mosques for that specialize in different different uh, areas so in singapore we have the mosque just focus on interfaith and also uh, for re- uh, religious and racial harmony as well so you can go to the mosque there's a few mosques in singapore as well uh that's where if you want to go down and see uh, in front of your eyes and you want to speak to someone you can get to know for yourself i mean that's the best way uh because they have a lot of information they have like pamphlets and you can just sit down and they can give you a simple tour and you can get understand uh, uh, a lot of things yeah mm-hmm. and most of these mosques you can find uh in the neighborhood area and in the town area there's one Of my favorite mosque uh, is air condition when if you enter the mosque okay. and it's so clean and it's just right behind the apple store in singapore <laughs> seriously okay. so i after i pray and then i go to apple store to shop and then either or is that i go to apple first and then i go to the mosque so in the month of ramadan they serve the delicious food for free so for those uh, people who wants to break fast as in like break fasting not breakfast So yeah. uh, it's around 7 p.m. and then they will just go into the mosque and they will be served in this huge plate and then there's whole tons of food there. So if you do, if uh, depending on what food you want to eat, but uh, the things that you don't want to eat, you can just put aside or let other people eat. So usually uh, four people in one huge uh, plate and then uh, you can eat together and you can taste a bit of the, like a local food, like an Indian food, like a Malay food uh, and a mix of here and there. And then, yeah, so... 
I like to go to that mosque and uh, that mosque is very clean. You can just Google Apple Store and behind the Apple Store Singapore, there's one mosque. It's the mosque name is called Al Fala. So it's really interesting. It's air conditioned and it's really nice. There's a lot of uh, people from other countries who come there to pray as well. Then there's another mosque, which is the huge mosque. They call this uh, the Sultan Mosque mm -hmm. or Masjid Sultan in Singapore. So it's so huge and it's in the Arab street and is uh, the dome, the you know, the top part of the mosque is in gold in color. So you can actually look at that. Then a lot of people can just go in and they can wear like a like a uniform that is provided and you can just walk in and take a tour and just see around what's going on. But you have like further questions, you can always ask uh, the people in charge or the people on duty and you can ask more about the historical, about the mosque or you can ask about Islam and then there's like a ready-made templates, templates for you to just read about it, like uh, some information. But let's say if you want to go online, uh, mm -hmm. it's pretty much a lot of resources but you got to be very careful because there's many sources are not uh, authentic you know like it's 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 one of the topics that you you shouldn't just put random question to google yeah <laughs> like searching for anything you don't just randomly do that i mean if you want to search for a job or like finding like a spouse get married you don't do that right so, that. so i am asking someone who who has experience and 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 you know it by heart you know in terms of of how much uh effort you you put into you know your journey to to like being aware of your sins and now uh, mm -hmm. going closer to god because mm -hmm. it's important to you that's yeah. why I'm asking you, like, what, what would be the, the one source uh, that you would recommend for others? Mm, for me, you know, it's really important for Muslims uh, to go along together with the book, the holy book, mm -hmm. uh, which is the Quran. So I will go to, I mean, until today, uh, even if I make mistakes, like I do bad things or accidentally uh, make a scene or maybe, you know, you know, we always make mistakes as a human. Regardless, there is the unseen things, which is like the shaitan, the devil would disturb us, who's always uh, trying to do something for the human. That's what the Muslim believes. Or is either we, we ourselves, uh, you know, did something wrong. So I think most importantly is to ask for forgiveness. Just you don't need any source, but you can just uh, ask from God. And another thing is you can just go over to like uh, the website, like Quran.com. So I, this is my favorite website. And you can read the Quran and just listen to them. If you don't know how to read, you can listen. If not, you can just read the translation. You can get a bit of understanding. And another one, you can go to Sunnah.com. So Sunnah.com is the book where it's the Hadith. So the Hadith is something that uh, it goes along together with the Quran. Yeah, so like what the prophet uh, says and what he does and what he do, you know, so we it's all recorded in the hadith, which is in the sunnah.com. So the sunnah okay. is something that the prophet do. So this is the reason why, like for example, for a Muslim, they eat with the right hand. So how do we know that we should be following eating with the right hand? Mm -hmm. So we can know this through the sunnah of the prophet, means what the prophet has done. And it's all recorded in the book, which is called the Hadith. And Hadith, they have up to like six uh, six books. There's a Hadith, there's like a Sahih al-Bukhari, Sahih al-Muslim. There's so plenty other uh, Hadith as well. So they, the Hadith also, they have the grading of level, like whether it's authentic, whether it's um, uh, weak, the report mm -hmm. is weak. So these reports are all written by scholars. 
and as well as uh, the companions of the, uh, the the early people who were who were the followers of the Prophet Muhammad. So they record it down and they memorize it, and it's all uh, being compiled in hadith and in the sunnah.com. So usually I would just read the sunnah.com and then quran.com. This just two websites for me. It's very easy for me to understand. And if I don't know anything, I will probably just go to a ustaz, uh, mm -hmm. a local, uh, you know, certified ustaz, and then they will just uh, share with me the information and check whether it's uh, right or wrong or it's authentic or not authentic. And then from there, we can just understand and we can practice better. So the goal is to practice to be a better person to be successful in you know in this yeah. world and the afterworld so these are the two websites that i currently uh <laughs> look on. thank you thank yeah. you for for this long yeah. uh explanation of 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 your journey and, mm -hmm. and your uh relation to this topic um yeah. so if we could uh switch uh, gears a bit uh yeah, more sure. to the talk of the digital nomad uh, yeah. lifestyle and in general uh, so what um, what it means to you uh, specifically how how do you uh, maybe you know leave it by by terms of do, do you have any any daily or monthly yearly routines uh, of, of your digital nomadism or or how do you uh, in general um, use this term for yourself mm -hmm. and, and, and how do you perform it mm -hmm. Okay, when we talk about digital nomad, uh, I didn't know, I didn't really understand the word digital nomad. You know, the word nomad, um, I know is homeless, <laughs> so you don't have a home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but I was already doing like traveling. So the main word here is traveling, right? Going to places to places. So at the age of uh, 14 years old, I started uh, to travel uh at the age of 14 years old because um, I was uh, playing yo-yo and I was competing in yo-yo contest. And uh, so I was part of the yo-yo community in uh, Singapore and in Malaysia as well. So mm -hmm. I like to compete uh, in the yo-yo contest and just to win some prizes and just show my tricks up on the stage for like three minutes, something like that. And then I like to share tricks with other yo-yo players as well. So I started my traveling, which is my... I don't know, like nomading thingy at yeah. age of 14. And then I sleep at some guy's house that I don't even know. It was just some yo-yo players. And then we kind of just make friends and they were just like, hey, where are you from? I'm Singapore. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Uh, you don't need to like, you know, book a hotel. They can just you know, stay in my home and don't worry, man. We got you covered. <laughs> Something like that. So it was fun just sleeping at, I don't know whose house. <laughs> <laughs> So I just carry my backpack and just bunch of yo-yos in my back, and I was just like travel. And I had never been to Kuala Lumpur, and uh, I see like so many people different uh, the way how they speak because my race is Malay, but I'm from Singapore, and the people from Malaysia they, they are Malay as well, but they are different the way they speak and the way they do things, and you know. But we still understand each other, yeah. So, um. I started at age 14 and then at the age of, uh, and then I, I, I went to school and um, at the age of uh, 19, I was pretty much involved still with yo-yo and then with music. So mm -hmm. I travel a lot and I stay at the backpackers ho ho hostel. So in Kuala Lumpur itself, there's uh, around the Bukit Bintang area, there's tons and tons of uh, like backpackers hostel. 
So that's where I just check in and uh, I don't, you know, back then, there's no websites uh, or PayPal or anything. I don't know. When I was nine. Very different world. <laughs> they used to call people backpackers. Yeah. That time. <laughs> I, I would just, I would just walk in. I would just walk in and I would just sign in the book, the guest book, and I would just make a payment. That's all. Done. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's so easy. At what point the, the digital uh, part uh, oh. show up for? Yeah. So that was the year uh, when I was, um, I was actually still serving the national service, actually. Uh-huh. That year. Wait, I think Is I service? Yeah. For, for Singaporeans, we need to serve the national service for two years. And then done. And then uh, I went to Malaysia. And then um, I remembered I brought my laptop along together with me. And I was doing graphic design on Microsoft Paint, you know. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, every one of us need to start somewhere. And yeah. I don't even know about I don't even know about Photoshop. <laughs> Some people still use it, you know. Really? Till the- Till today, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I saw some guy that I met uh, in Singapore. We have this meetup. Okay, back then there was no social network like Facebook. So I had this MySpace.com. So mm. MySpace.com was a lot of there. There was plenty of people in the community, like artists, like DIY, like like indie, very indie uh, artists, indie publishers, oh. indie designers, and so much more. You know, even like producers as well. So I was much involved with like the art and music thing. So I was in MySpace and then I just uh, go to the forum and keep publishing. And then there was this local meetup. We don't even have meetup.com back then. So it was just like a forum and just type, okay, let's meet up. So we went to this place called Esplanade in Singapore. Yeah. And then they have the like the gigs and shows, the music shows and all this art stuff over there. It's really interesting. You should go there if you're in Singapore. I, I was there, like not not for the meetup, just just going around those places. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really nice. It's really nice. They have a lot of a skyline and buildings and everything. So I was there, and then uh, I meet up some a small group of people, and then I started to uh, you know learn about graphic design because the first thing that I saw, I was amazed, was like this guy, he he told me that he designed this on a computer, like a laptop. And then mm. you just say that, oh, I print this on the T-shirt and you can buy it for $20. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's so cool. It's like, how do you do it? How do you even do that? You know? <laughs> so, cool, cool. and then he just told me like, oh, you should use the Photoshop. What is Photoshop? You go to, to a photo shop, like a shop shop, you know, like a, like a shop. Yes. The name is confusing. <laughs> yeah. So the, the first thought that came into my mind was like Photoshop. Oh, you go to the Photoshop and the guy from the shop will tell you how to do it. So, you know, the thing that came into my mind was like, oh, the guy is going to print like some design and tell the guy in the shop to print the photo. So I was, I, I tried to understand, but I didn't. And then uh, they, they introduced me the software. It was Adobe Photoshop 3.0. It was like the early version of years ago. Yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started uh, designing, and there were so many tools and features in Photoshop. I don't even understand. Like the, I only understand like cut, paste, uh, select, and then uh, erase, undo. I still don't understand most of them, but <laughs> I use it every day. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided that oh, this is not for me. So I started to use Microsoft Paint. 
So that is where my um, the seriousness of graphic design begins. So I started to do graphic design through photography. So I take photos and I would just drag and drop on Photoshop. I was using a, a compact Presario uh, laptop. It was a very old school brand. And then uh, we just I just kind of like just use the filter. And then after that, I export and put it on Microsoft Paint. And I just kind of like do it manually and I save it in JPEG format. So I save, I didn't even know about the format files. I don't even know what's PNG. I don't even know anything. <laughs> and then I just like send these images in white background to the uh, to the shop that prints. Photoshop? <laughs> no, 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 Photoshop. So I print the t-shirt over there. Yeah. And then it cost me $25 per t-shirt. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. I can wear it for, for myself. So I started where? The, the design that I printed and shared with the local community. And they kind of like impressed. Hey, that's cool. Nice t-shirt. Can I order one too? And I said, which design? Okay, this one. Okay, I'll print for you. And then I started to print for everybody. Like, I think like 10 people. And then I realized that I wasn't earning money. I was losing money. <laughs> because it was just $25 and I have to cover a lot of costs. I wasn't making money. And I was like, um, because I don't know about business. So that's where I started to realize, okay, I should do something about business. So there's like a, this guy who told me like, oh, you can actually sell this for a design for like $35 or uh, depending on the t-shirt and everything because it's a custom design. Every pro product, yeah? Like to, to actually get some commission for yourself. Yeah. So I create a personalized page on myspace.com slash I think Fajr Siddiq or like some my branding name Euphoria Clothing so uh, and I started to share whoever wants to order it? It. like the, the web archive uh, no I actually shut it down I don't know why back do you have some print screen or, or maybe we, uh, we try to find it on, on some archive I version I don't think so yeah I don't think so maybe I can find on the internet uh, via the news I, I mean the archive the internet archive I guess yeah. I think so what yeah okay okay mm -hmm. yeah so back to the story and then uh done and then uh i bought a laptop after that i was quite serious and then i started to do graphic design so i was very curious because i want to find a supplier who can actually print my t-shirts yeah. and accept my graphic design so i thought my design was okay you know i started to look at somebody else's design and everything else so i went to malaysia most of the time and uh for gigs and shows and then i went to like uh, those you know events where people set up those like uh, diy booth where they sell their own designs and t-shirts and like 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 something yeah. like a flea market you know yeah and then i started to realize that oh you know people are also doing what i'm doing you know so it's really interesting so you have your own booth yeah i had my own booth i i paid for i don't know like three days for like 150 ringgit or 200 ringgit. I don't know. For three days or two days, I think. And then I just sell some t-shirts and I was very happy. So I, I learned silk screen before that. And mm -hmm. as well as uh, I get uh, some local to print for me. But when I was there, uh, I got a more business opportunity because there were more suppliers who actually can uh, print for me. And there were more... Um, opportunities for me to actually partner with them and I can produce more quantity at a better price. So uh, all these were part of this like DIY community from the punk rock, hardcore, metal, 
and also uh, the MySpace and also uh, like the indie, you know, the indie community that yeah. I saw in my real life. Yeah. I really need to ask you at this point. Uh, did you uh, always create your own designs like yeah. from scratch, or scratch. did you have you know uh, like I I'm just asking out of curiosity because there is many people who who just literally rip off uh, let's say the logo of a band or like the you know the CD cover and they put it on a T-shirt and then they they try to sell it. <laughs> so I, I assume you you wanted to create your own design and not you know. Rip yeah. off. I was much very curious with how things are done. You know, like you design and then you print it. And how does the printing works? It's called silk screen. And why is silk screen? They're using a different uh, sort of like a liquid and then to mm -hmm. print. And then as well as, um, you know, the quality of the cloth, the cloth itself. And they have okay. many different cloth. And how you do the labeling and everything and how you do the packaging and how you just sell it to somebody else. So like for me, you know, I start from scratch or you see that I just, you know, take a photo and then just edit everything out. Mm -hmm. So you can actually like uh, back then uh, I used to practice like photos that I snap and then I would just uh, remove some parts and then I add some parts. Mm -hmm. So it's like, um, it's like, you know, removing and adding, removing, adding. So you you come out with something uh, new, you know, something new of your own. Yeah. So it's really interesting. But my thoughts about other people ripping off stuff, uh, I'm not quite aware. But some people, example, they like uh, some artists or some uh, vocalists or somebody, you know, some some people. So they start drawing the same face. Uh, like example, they're using uh, graphic design like Vector. Mm. So, That that probably will not look ripoff, but that will probably look plagiarism. Meaning that meaning that it looks probably the same as the person face or somebody else logo. So that will probably uh, be a problem. So you gotta be smart if you want to do a design. So to make sure not uh, to make sure that it's not plagiarizing. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah not not about copywriting, but plagiarizing. Yeah. Mm. So. It looks really similar, that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so easy to fall into the trap that everyone has a you know a smiley yeah, on on a t-shirt because it's so easy to like today. Of course, we have emoji as a standard, but mm -hmm. back then uh, you could have like very similar designs of of whatever you you wanted to to have. Or if you were you know like original artist uh, expressing your views of the world or some imagination on on, yeah. on t-shirt it's so so what was the 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 theme like did you have some some uh, some concept yeah yeah what what was the design uh, yeah it was uh, pretty much uh, like a it's just a bunch of my friends in the community mm -hmm. and then i just asked them to stand because back then i think it was like this uh, emo kid you know like the, those emo kids oh, yeah i remember <laughs> people with the golf kind of like yeah, those yeah. Uh, they put on their their eyes <laughs> and then you know they look very emotional with the long hair so back then it was in trend this uh emo punk thingy and you know those splashy kind of artwork those kind of like very grunge kind of looking It looks very uh, punk rock. So mm -hmm. pretty much, I think, it's, then it's just like one, two colors kind of thing on a t-shirt. So I think <clears throat> that, 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 that is the kind of uh, artwork that uh, 
I'm very pretty much interested to do. So mm-hmm. I like I like t-shirt designing so much uh, back in 2005 and six, and then until I'm at the age of 19 years old, I I keep on traveling and bring my laptop with my backpack and some clothes, and then just set up some booth, and then sometimes I will bring my uh like trolley, like my trolley, and then I will just put all the t-shirts that I want to sell, just put inside the luggage, like the trolley luggage you know mm. i would just set up the booth with simple black cloth or white cloth and i would just pour my t-shirts there and then probably stick them up on the wall and then people would just buy the t-shirt and they would get some uh, stickers and then sooner or later i started to know about html as well because of myspace mm. uh, you need to personalize your website yeah, so yeah, I, I learned a bit of coding right there. requirement at that time <laughs> Mm. So I learned a bit about uh, using a blogspot.com. I didn't even know how to build a website. So I, I built a blogspot.com and you can use the, I think the coding name is, uh, is XML, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you can just uh, use this free photo where you can upload your photos for free and embed it. It's called photobucket.com. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of photobucket? At some point, but I never use it. Yeah, they, they, they are like the pioneers, uh, like photo sharing website. Back mm-hmm. then, yeah, mm-hmm. be, way before then, uh, I think um, any anything that I came across, yeah, I think photobucket.com. They they are before Flickr, you know Flickr, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they they were like the pioneers. Photobucket was the pioneers, and then I embed, upload photos, embed for free, and then uh, just use it for the block spot. So that's how I actually built my own website back mm-hmm. then. So it was uh, like your next step after the MySpace thing, is it? Yeah, right after the MySpace thing and then Blogspot. And then from that Blogspot, and then I saw WordPress. <laughs> mm, of course, the king of all the builders and uh, content management system. Yeah, the CMS. Most and, then, of sites, yeah? and then I started to learn more about using buying domains. I started to learn, uh, you know, to go on godaddy.com, buying domains. And then I started to realize Go GoDaddy was like charging a lot of uh, costs. Oh, and I, they I was, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. going through some hard time, actually. Uh-huh. And then uh, I, I didn't even know because I was doing thing, everything like bootstrap, my own money, whatever money that I have, I made out from my profit. And then... Uh, I started to buy uh, like a shared hosting space and then I started to use FTP. I started to use FileZilla. I started to use, um, you know, uploading your own, mm-hmm. uh, you know, files and then uh, how to actually install WordPress on your on your hosting, which is your server. And then how you actually, uh, you know, put your domain together with the hosting to, to make sure that it's, you know, it's working. Mm. And then after that, you need to work with the HTTPS uh, yeah, yeah. website together with the domain itself. So there was so many process that I actually went through to learn how to just learn about WordPress. But there's one day, uh, I think I think in the year 2015 or 16, uh-huh. I was in Bali. I remember I was in Bali. There was this, this place uh, uh, near the Poppies Lane where most Aussies would hang out. Mm-hmm. at this place and then um, I was just chilling by the pool and then swimming and then I just went up and then hanging out at my balcony and then I realized uh, I, I started to log in from my FTP 
I realized uh, my whole entire server got uh, my SQL injected. So it was just some hacker oh. hacking my stuff. And then there was like a duplicate of 20,000 over folders in my server came out, mm. out of nowhere. And my whole entire like client websites were just like uh, gone. Down. <laughs> Down. And then I was like, oh my goodness, this is the the problem that I'm facing. So I think it was just about the Wi-Fi that I'm using because this is public, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I I did check the coding and everything and, you know, <laughs> uh, to know what's the problem. And mm-hmm. it was so difficult because there's so many websites that I did for clients and everything. And then, um, yeah, it was very difficult because I want to, like, enjoy my lifestyle, you know? Like, you know, just hang out, eat some food, nice food. You know, in Indonesia, in Bali, is so nice. Especially Poppy's Lane, Kuta Beach. You can just chill at the beach the whole day. <laughs> How did you solve the problem? It was tough. So, uh, it kind of, like, wasted my time during my trip. So, I just have to go back to my, like, uh, the place. Like, a, some, it's like a, like a hotel thing. It's mm-hmm. like a hotel. And then I just uh, back up everything. And then I see uh, every each of the file. And I kind of like remove all that 20,000 folder. But I don't, I don't know how, but it keeps coming. And then um, I keep on reading and reading and Google and find the problem. And I realized uh, my the, the, the database, which is the MySQL, was mm-hmm. actually injected and they, they actually changed the source code or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I started fixing some of the codes and everything. Uh, I didn't even know how to code, actually. So it was just like a self-thought and just Googling and trying to solve a problem. That's all. Yes, that's it, yeah, it works. So it took me about, I think, one month, two months to actually, not say two months, sorry, about one month to fix the whole entire thing. Yeah, so it was tough. Even when I came back after my trip uh, from Bali and then back to Singapore, I have to fix all that uh, issues. And, yeah. and how about your customers? Like, did you manage to keep them or, or did you... Uh, I managed to only put up on a homepage. So the other pages didn't work that well. <laughs> but the clients uh, understand. I just say that uh, the site is under maintenance. So mm. they would understand. And I would tell them that it will be up. And they, 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 they don't have any uh, transaction going. Because most of the clients that I have, that time the sites were affected, is uh, they were not running e-commerce. So mm-hmm. it's fine. So there's no transaction going on their live site. So yeah. pretty much very uh, static. It's a bunch of texts and photos and videos. So it was okay. And then uh, it was it's okay. So <laughs> yeah, for me, like my lifestyle, I think for digi- being as a digital nomad, I think I started that way. And I kind of like just grow on my own. But there wasn't any community. There wasn't any people that I know about just a normal lifestyle right until like i think somewhere there was this year i think i think it was 2016 or 17 Mm -hmm. then i saw a video of uh, this guy named peter levels and he was (laughs) coding and on youtube and then suddenly like nomad list and then i saw his presentation he was saying about uh bootstrapping and everything i was like hey dude like this is what i've been doing man you know (laughs) but how come like finally after so many years, then I found somebody similar to, you know, what I'm doing as well. Like, you know, the kind of lifestyle that I'm doing or the kind of, you know, 
um, the kind of like, uh, you know, when you want to do a business, you don't want to get involved so much things because you want to have like a balance of lifestyle. But at the same time, you want to run a company, but you want to create uh, some projects that, you know, that you like or that means to you or something that benefit you. So um, then I saw his presentation. I was like, wow, this cool is dude. Uh, this dude is cool and blah, blah, blah. And then I saw his website. I was like, oh, he's just a bunch of uh, site with uh, listing and information. I told myself that I can find this on Google. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I told myself, maybe I should just see and sign up and maybe look at something else. Then I saw more things like uh, the community and then people from around the world. I was like, wow. It was like so many people are also as digital nomad. So then I asked my Ask myself like, oh, this digital nomad thing is a thing now. It's like <laughs> everybody's doing it. I was like, I'm already traveling like for years, right. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when I was traveling, I saw people in Bali were working in like in cafe places, in public places, and they were just like doing things. But I didn't really speak to them because, uh, how I do my things like I don't really I don't I don't speak to people if I don't know. So I, back then, if they are in the Euro community, probably I would speak to them. But for people who travel, probably I would just say hi, hello, and yeah, what mm-hmm. you doing? Just very, very casual uh, conversation. Not pretty much very, you know, you want to be very open and sharing. Mm-hmm. But right after, I think um, uh, somewhere, uh, I think last year, I have my old passport that I went to. A number of countries that I nomad, but uh, I didn't uh, update on uh, my website. I, I have the website, uh, my profile on nomadlist.com slash at Fajasidic. Yeah, thanks to Peter Levels. Help me out on this profiling thing because I don't understand what you need to do there. So you just kind of like just check in and yeah, yeah. it's where you want to go. So he kind of just share with me like, you know what you should do. So I just like follow through and then, okay. But I have like another passport that the places that I went, like Japan, Makkah and everything, I didn't share it on the Nomad List profile. I, maybe I, if I have more free time, probably I will do that. Mm-hmm. But currently, the one that I have is just my new passport. So I just go on uh, nomading in the ASEAN region and somewhere that I'm comfortable with the food, uh, easy for me to find halal food and uh, somewhere that I, have, I know some people uh, in that country. So if there's anything happen, I can just ask them. Uh, usually it's like it's either my yo-yo community or my like friends who's working in other country. Uh-huh. So yeah, if you are nomading, probably you want to find like something like that kind of people, like something like that you know, you know them already. You know what I mean? Like I know these people, like, oh, I'm going KL right now, but I already, if there's anything happened to me, probably I will like find my yo-yo friends, something like that. You know? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, somebody that you know, you know, something. If there's something happened. Yeah, because yeah. you are all out alone, you know, in some country. <laughs> it's it's very important to have this yeah. connection. Yeah, with... this connection, and then as well as uh, you probably need uh like some contacts with the foreign affairs in your country. So for us, we have the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So I just take note any information if something happened to me. So for me this year, twenty twenty, I think it was really really fun and grateful. I was so happy before the pandemic, mm-hmm. as in COVID nineteen. So I travel to Brunei. I get to see the, the other side of the Brunei, which is not the city area, not the Sri Bengawan area. There's another side which is much more, uh, uh, you know, very down to earth 
kind of place. It's like they don't really upgrade their areas. So meaning that you know they are still with the old buildings and uh, the old housing estate, and they still sell like the this delicious food like probably 60 years ago uh, mm. recipes. You know those those kind of recipes. So you can find a lot of Malay food and Bruneian food uh, in Brunei uh, in the Kuala Belait area, which is not at the Sri Bengawan, whereas like so many uh, tourists will go there just to take photos and videos. So uh, I've been there before, the first time I went to Brunei, but I go to another place. So my my objective um, to nomad is to actually to find food as well. So <laughs> I will find... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you like food too as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm big believer that uh, through cuisine you can actually uh, learn a lot about the place because the spices uh, the people are using and the way the the um, food is prepared and of course you know in my perspective I I, I am always very very sensitive to find a proper uh, vegetarian or vegan yeah. restaurants yeah because I am interested how locals are you know putting a twist on the cuisine the traditional cuisines that are in in I believe most cultures somehow with uh, meat yeah in, in in any form so uh i, I want to be respectful for <laughs> the traditions but at the same time it's so interesting to to see uh, how japanese are doing this or how malay are doing this or even in my country in poland uh, it, it's uh, really fun to to see so many uh, restaurants that are preparing some traditional polish uh dishes but yeah. they having this this vegan twist yeah you know one thing i like about the the people who is from poland they are so tall so i get to know one i have a few yo-yo friends from poland and they are very tall and they are so like so pretty and so handsome and, like i don't get it sometimes i just don't get it like wow these people like look so good like you know they look so i don't know they were born they were born like so handsome and pretty yeah, so when i look at it people from Poland, it's not a rule <laughs> i cannot confirm or deny it <laughs> you know i yeah, know most of it i saw like the most people they, their features they are very tall i think because of the food that they eat right i don't know what what about the dishes uh in poland like you guys eat my my, my father always uh makes some jokes that whenever someone is asking why me and my brother are so tall uh because my parents are kind of average height and and so is my extended family uh-huh. and there is usually joking that it's because of the american chickens <laughs> <laughs> you know like when we are kids and growing up uh poland was uh, kind of reopening to the world in in a sense that uh, the democracy started oh yeah the, the 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 changes uh, in the eastern bloc and uh, the thing is that uh, we were like so um fascinated by anything that is coming you know like the the first mcdonald's or the first kfc that was open in in our area was a, a huge celebration because uh, we we weren't um, used to that and and we we thought about it as a as a cultural experience oh. you know like like going there and like eating american burgers <laughs> was something <laughs> so out of this world 
Yeah, I got it. <laughs> no, I got it. Yeah, and then this is why the American chickens is the you know the 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 hormones or whatever else. It's <laughs> making you tall. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, so that's, we always have these like funny inside jokes between like families, you know. Like why you are so tall? Why you so short? Why you are so this that? And, and, and I think the the joke continues because uh, like my nearest uh, co- uh, family, like both my parents and my brother, yeah. uh, and his family are now all vegan. So <laughs> it's, it's it's really funny, you know, to to come f- from the perspective of like you know McDonald's is the best way to celebrate Sunday uh, dinner with family to the point that <laughs> we we now never go there because we we kind of uh, we are more aware of 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 the quality of the food we we yeah, see definitely more nutritious and and better stuff for ourselves and the, the next generation so. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of funny in terms of of how we can travel through through dishes and through cuisines. Um, getting back to to the digital nomad uh, thing, uh, I'm uh, really interested uh, in uh, things. Um, um, how do you uh, see the the gear? You know that that you use. Do you do you have some uh, setup in terms of? Uh, laptops that you were always looking for, and and then smartphones, and maybe tablets, like or or, or photo cameras. Like, do do you seek for some special, um, you know, <laughs> stack of all those things to 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 use? And then, what do you use now? Mm, if we look at um, like the digital nomad backpack, mm. right? Probably. I will look at something uh, got to do with the uh, what I want to carry for the next 30 days or mm-hmm. maybe one, I think, or two months or three months or going hopping places to other places, right? So we need to know what we will be carrying. So I think I don't want to carry so much. So I will wear the same thing every single time. Even I'm back at home right now, I'm wearing the same clothes every single time. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a habit already. So I think uh, most importantly is something that you wear comfortable, like uh, the clothes that are good for outdoor and indoor. Unless you're going to a cold country, then probably you need your hoodie or your sweater yeah. or anything else. <laughs> so I'm li- living in a tropical region, mm-hmm. uh, which is the, uh, you know, the Asia region, the mm-hmm. ASEAN region. And a t-shirt is definitely needed. And then I'll just have my one pants. And then uh, I think uh, shoes is much more very much important and then i have one sandals and then um other than that i'll just have my uh, book small a5 size book mm-hmm. and as well as my macbook and then uh my airpods my water bottle is so important because i need water every single time mm-hmm. and then um i think uh my toiletry stuff i will just pack in one um just like a one small bag so i have my toothbrush toothpaste uh, my shaver, uh, I don't use the electric shaver, so I would just use a normal blade, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if I don't like it, I can just throw away. And then if toothpaste is finished, I can just throw away and buy a smaller one. So everything is very small. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> the, the reason why it's small is easy to carry and it's also, uh, you can save, uh, you know, save money and save the green, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, save yeah, yeah. the environment. Mm-hmm. The environment, I guess. Save the environment. So uh, everything is uh, cut down. Even back at home, you know, when I back at home also, my bottles, my shampoo bottles, everything is all small as well. 
So I because of digital nomad, um, it helps me to save money. It helps me to think about the nature as well, about the environment, and understand the culture and everything. So whatever I have in my backpack, it must be something that I must use, not something that is unnecessary that I would just carrying around. Yeah, it would be, be, be really stupid to carry something that is putting weight on your back, you know. Mm-hmm. So I have my lap. Uh, for more, you can go to uh my uh there is website called kit.co. So you can just mm-hmm. go. I, I redirected the website. So just fajasidik.com/kit k-i-t. So it's not pretty much of a backpack about uh like my backpack in my for for digital nomad kind of thing when I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying. But it's more like uh, like the camera setup, what I use. So usually for camera as well, I will just have multiple batteries, rechargeable batteries for my M50 Canon M50. Mm-hmm. And then I have like my mic. So I I have two choices depending what kind of trip that I'm going. So if let's say I were to do interview with people, then probably I will bring my wireless uh, G3 mic. If not, then I will probably just use a simple uh, like a shotgun mic. Mm-hmm. So the mini ones. And then... Uh, a small uh, tripod. If I'm not using tripod, I'm just going to use these uh, camera straps and that's it, done. And then memory card and then um, just a USB-C port for all this uh, USB cable to charge my laptop or charge uh, my cameras or just transfer files from my memory card. And then my iPhone. Um, and then I have my wallet. So I changed my wallet recently. I think like... Uh, one month, two months, three months ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I have this RFID wallet. So I didn't, I'm, I'm no longer carrying like the huge wallet. So it's just cashless cards inside, like six cards, just my identification card and then my banks. And then I'm using TransferWise card. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I have this, um, this like, like card, but you can put up to like six SIM cards inside the card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like so, a holder. Like yeah, just like a SIM card holder with the pin for nano SIM or micro SIM, something like that. So everything is all fits in there. And then we just my iPhone and just carry that around. So if I need money, I'll just spend. Uh, depends on the uh, you know, the time or the days that I will be living in that particular period. Other mm-hmm. than that, I'll just make payment via online, like Master Mastercard or Visa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's all. Do but you... I've, I've I've learned so much uh, when when being a digital nomad because yeah. I did travel for holidays with family as well, and I did like uh, uh, do some production for company for my own company. When I have a job uh, outstation from other country, I have to bring my other stuff. So I learned so much just by being digital nomad, having a backpack and everything inside. I think is very important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You need to know how to pack your own backpack. Yeah, and as as well as the softwares that you use, and then the apps. So, um, there is new website by Product Hunt team. It's called yourstack.com. Mm. Uh, you can just uh, go to my redirect site fajasidik.com slash yourstacks, and then you can see the apps that I'm using, uh, from my phone and as well as uh, on my Mac. Uh, so okay. if you I want, I will put the link in the show notes for all of the. Uh, stuff we are talking about. Uh, so the yourstack.com is is the most up to date thing where you list all the Stack. hardware and software yes, things correct. you use. So fajasidik.com/kit, okay. uh, which which is the kits for the camera for production, video and audio, visual mm-hmm. audio stuff. 
And then for stacks like apps and software, uh, just go to fajacity.com slash your stack, which is by your stack.com from Product Hunt. So they, they kind of create this uh, uh, website and um, you can create profile and just see all the stacks that uh, you're sharing. And then, um, yeah, it's really good. I, I, I need to do it uh, by myself, like on my own uh, profile. So I also list uh, this, this uh, apps and <laughs> hardware that, that how, I use. How I wish that, you know, the questions that uh, you shared with me, like the things mm -hmm. that I shared with you as well, like it's on Nomad list. Like, you know, example, your travel gear, travel mm -hmm. services, the software you preferred. I think this would be the necessary information should be uploaded on the nomad list i think it would be it would be great <laughs> i remember uh, that peter created some uh, versions of it before uh, but later on he decided to put it away oh. and it's yeah yeah like if you actually look into like the history of of tweets uh, of peter oh. you will actually discover some features that were on nomadlist.com and then it was removed uh usually because uh, users didn't use it or it was just too much um, you know overhead to 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 do it by himself because mm -hmm. uh, that's his uh, trademark yeah that that he's doing all his um projects uh, on his own and right. even the nomad list is became such a huge community and and then such a huge uh, important tool for for all of us uh, mm -hmm. traveling uh, he he still wants to 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 keep it small you know like it's 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 very interesting uh, this this um perspective of of how you can automate almost anything you do online and mm -hmm. then only focus on the creativity and and uh, adding new features uh, improving what what you have so yeah it's, it's definitely a very good example of, of someone who uh, who did it right and also from the uh, financial point of view because yeah. he's publishing you know the the, the open uh, startup thing uh, when where he he's showing uh, how much money is this uh, website generating so mm -hmm. uh, yeah definitely a, a very very good example for all the digital nomads that want to mm -hmm. uh, follow his lead and then do yeah. something similar yeah that 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 will be definitely for open startups or open makers who's sharing uh their metrics and views and everything how much they're earning like monthly recording and everything so that mm -hmm. what makes people driven like one one thing to follow the culture of digital nomad being a digital nomad as well as that like, they want to build something online and they could actually monetize and automate everything that they think they could but at the same time you need to learn some skills like coding or probably some marketing skills or probably no code uh, skills as well and just to find an idea that you probably could actually monetize and with that money itself you can actually uh, get the money via the, the the transaction payment via stripe or paypal and then you can use your card like um you know um transfer wise or you can use uh the one that you're using what was you using Revolut. Revolut. yeah yeah <laughs> so depending on whichever it is that you know that suitable your needs or mm. what like and other than that um you know it's really interesting where we, we, we actually look at this culture also it also sees uh something on twitter so back in the days you know i used a lot of like facebook and then instagram 
you know, sharing photos and whatnot. But on Twitter, it's totally different. Like people are so uh, open sharing, mm. uh, like you know, money thingy and how they are performing, like their website and what service and you know what kind of stuff that they're building. So most mm. of it I see is like a software as a service, and some of them just write newsletters, and some of them also create a podcast and they actually monetize. Uh, also on YouTube. So there's so mm. many ways of uh, doing these uh, projects or ideas. Like this, you know, you have one company and then you can build as many projects as you can, like just building a micro startup yeah, or yeah. just a side project with a, building a profitable business for as long you have like money coming in into your bank account and, you know, you can sustain and travel and the lifestyle that you want. I think, I think that the future is now. Because the future is now because of yeah. the COVID-19 and the pandemic. And now, finally, people who understand working from home, what is it like? Mm. Meaning, meaning uh, we as a digital nomad as well, because we can't go out. So digital nomad usually stay at one place and working from home or working from one location mm. as well as uh, working remotely. So a lot of people don't understand, like, you know, when, when I have like a few friends ask me, hey, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm just working for remotely. I just travel. <laughs> hey, that's a cool, that's a cool work. He says, like, what? That's a cool job. No, no, no. That's not a job. That's not a job. I told them, like, I'm working remotely. I was like, what do you mean working remotely? Like remotely, people in the Antarctica or something working remotely. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Working with remote. <laughs> so that was a joke, actually. Like I, I made up with my good friend named Danish. We were talking about working remotely. It was like oh. bunch of polar bears drinking Coca Cola and you know, <laughs> like traveling and just like talking about nomading and you know whatever remotely. It was funny. <laughs> it was really funny until yeah. today. It's the joke's still there. It's funny. Yeah. Danny, she's a really funny guy. Really? Uh, I had the pleasure to to you meet him. Yeah, you <laughs> it's funny. Okay, so. Uh-huh. Just the remote thing is a norm right now, like because due to the uh, pandemic, and I the future is now. I mean, d- digital nomad is now, uh, remote working is now, work from home is now. So it's something that we all should, you know, uh, should okay. stick with it. Yeah, even the yeah. government in Singapore already understand this whole entire yeah. culture thing. Yeah, yeah. It's very important for uh, the governments to to support uh, the 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 new situation in terms yeah. of, of you know we we need to keep working keep you know uh, supporting our families ourselves and and the, the economy at large and the best uh, and the safest way at the same time is is doing this remotely. Uh, so speaking of this, uh, three things. First of all, uh, I, I uh, recommend you to listen uh, a podcast by um, people from uh, Basecamp. Uh, it's called oh, Basecamp. We, yeah. we, we Work. Yeah. And uh, recently they republished one of the most popular episodes. Uh, yeah. And we were laughing about the, the polar bears drinking Coca-Cola. <laughs> But actually they did an uh, interview with, uh, I think she's a German uh, scientist, working in one of the Antarctic uh, scientific research centers. Oh. And she was, you know, uh, specifically talking, it, uh, explaining the remote work that she is doing because she needs to be, you know, in touch with, with Germany, with some other international institutions and uh, sending a lot of data because, yeah. you know, they are getting a lot of uh, kind of, you know, 
descriptions of, of what is uh, the new research to be done and, and then the reports. So yeah. it's really interesting to, to see how it is done in such a remote place as, uh, as um, Antarctica. So, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, I will also put a link to this. Uh, yeah. so listen to that podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can like, imagine if we were to do remote work in Antarctica, it would be madness. It would be madness because the, the the climate changed really fast from like you know yeah 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 but read some I, I watched some videos and they they change the weather changed so fast yeah I I had a pleasure I think uh, at a few occasions to actually listen to like on on a live uh, panels uh, to wow. people some of the Polish uh, researchers or other people who were explaining how how it is uh, some were uh, based in Greenland some wow. were in in Antarctica uh, uh, so it's it's really interesting to kind of um, learn more about it because. Mm-hmm. It's again this this uh, a bit fictional uh, image of 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 the the perfect you know blue sky and and white horizon and those you know polar bears somewhere uh, oh. what uh, around uh, but actually uh, most of the time it's it's a very very harsh condition uh, because of the really um, hard uh, winds. Uh, very low temperatures, of course, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, most of the days you you just cannot get out from the from the base because it's so bad. Uh, you, you cannot literally, you know, stand in in place because it's it's so uh, <laughs> not. Um, we are not not used to for this kind of weather. So um, I, I do appreciate the work of of all those people who are doing this and want. So uh, g- going back to to your projects and how do you uh, work, uh, could you please explain to me the term of the micro startup? W- mm-hmm. What is it for you? If I were to understand, like everything that is being micro means it's getting smaller and smaller, right? So I think in my own terms of understanding micro startup is like you want to start something, but you want to start something small. Mm-hmm. Think that you don't want to. You know, like big startups nowadays, people get you know venture capitalists or angel investors, uh, and then you have the pitching, and then you have yeah. accelerated mm-hmm. programs and whatnot, and then you have to follow through whether you get you know seeded or mm-hmm. invested or anything else like that, and then you have to prepare your pitching slides, and then you have to pitch to the investors, and they will check your business models. I mean. I'm you no know, back then I, I I did this before, but I get tired of this like um VC thingy. You know, it's so tiring. I feel mm-hmm. that you know I don't have much potential to show. I mean, yes, I mean they have big money and then they can do so many things, but I want to do other stuff as well, and I want to mm-hmm. have the lifestyle, I don't want to be in control. So there was this movement called Zebra Movement. Meaning yeah. that um, I think you can just find it on Google, yeah, Zebra Movement. So, yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. most of them, uh, they speak about uh, independent business or being an indie maker or hacker. And then uh, they talk about bootstrap, uh, mean, mean, uh, bootstrap startups. So being a bootstrap founder as well. So my focus, uh, when I was doing this, I didn't realize there were uh, people who were already doing this or people who are running this, or like there was a movement or culture about this. I didn't even know about this. Mm-hmm. So I was doing this like 
ready for more than like 10 years. And I was just doing my own thing. And I was just serving clients uh, locally and some international clients, but not that much. And then I started to realize that, um, you know, um, I started to realize that I want to pivot some of my business. You know, I, I saw the potential of um, the tech technology whereby you can actually automate so many things and you can actually build things quickly and you can scale things much more faster. Mm -hmm. So that's where I see the potential of micro startups whereby, you know, you can scale things much more faster in terms of uh, the profit and as well as that you can build your MVP quickly. You know, you don't need to spend time like, you know, putting the most hardest business model or anything like that. And then you just kind of like just focus on um, just building something in a short period of time and you can just launch it and then you kind of just get feedback from people or the community and then you kind of like just keep on, uh, you know, improving the features you want to focus on or the business model. So the mm. MVP is really important. So that's the reason why uh, I want to build micro startups. So my focus on micro startups is more on like, um, um, like for communities. So... Mm -hmm and just projects, like really small projects. But in other ways, we look at it as like a multiple source of income. You just create different channels of income, right? You have this project, okay, this income is coming from this project, this income is coming from that project. So the question would be like, how do you even manage all these like tons and tons of projects? So mm -hmm. you put it as like, you know, um, a div everything is the same industry. Like if, you're, you, if your skill set is in designing and then you focus on just designing and then you create a different different uh, content but you are still in the designing industry or in the tech industry either or so mm -hmm. just if you can do that then it's fine but if you keep on jumping in a different different industry but then you try to create different multiple uh, side projects that turns into a profitable business then you have difficulty in managing yourself or working with some people uh, remotely or you know in your team because it's very difficult to manage tons of stuff that's going mm. on because as for myself i did struggle and i saw uh, uh this problem in there and i also don't really uh you know really focus so much because i realized that there's other incomes that's coming from a different projects so there's a pros and cons on this but the the good thing is that nobody is controlling you but yeah, you are controlling yeah. yourself. But that is worse because when you control yourself, means you need to be very well disciplined about your deadlines and when you're going to launch a product and how can you actually make this thing profitable from time to time. Mm. You know, you got to make your own audience. Like a lot of people have struggles within like building their own audience, and and I think, I think building audience is the first thing that you should do when you want to start your yeah. business, like helping people or helping people in the community or their businesses. And there's so many things, you know? So building an audience, I think is really important. You, you can add value to people and you can always share uh, what you know and the experiences that you have went through and you probably can give uh, opinion or some kind of uh, help probably, oh, maybe you can share some skills or like, you know, you can contribute something to mm -hmm. any of their projects, whether it's an open source project, whether it's a anything. Because these people that you meet online, whether it's on Telegram or Twitter or, or any other social media, people need, not many people know 
things that we know sometimes. Mm-hmm. So sometimes uh, we 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 can learn from other people as well, and then you get a uh, different ideas as well. So for me, you know, micro startups is fun and it's great and mm-hmm. it's very easy. Just launch it. So if whether you're doing it for fun, whether whether you are monetizing it or or you're gonna automate it or you're just contributing it for free, like voluntary kind of thing. So it depends on your time and how much time do you have. I mean, if you're not enjoying what you're doing right now or you're not passionate about what you're doing, mm-hmm. and then you're going to be out. I see, I mean, like a lot of people, they just like, they want to learn so much things about the coding and designing, right? And then, or maybe like marketing. And then they will just spend time like learning and learning and learning. And then, They kind of just built everything so perfectly. Like example, they built a software. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen so many yeah. people as do this, and then they kind of like not enjoy it. And then when they try to monetize the software or the thing, the website that they built, they just can't do it. But mm-hmm. it's so perfect. It's so it's, it's so solid. But they cannot monetize because they don't understand yeah, about yeah. monetizing, and and they fail at that. And they have mm-hmm. the knowledge. They went to school. They go to the school. They study everything. Everything, mm-hmm. but. So this is very important in terms of like you know how we want to focus on our financial or the practices and the skills that you know that we can apply when we're building our own projects is the most important thing is about the community. So the community will have a different perspective every time. So we have people who tell you you know you should be learning, you should be growing, you should be learning these skills, you should be monetizing this thing. So it's very important. So how I look at this right now is that. Also, is affecting the ourselves in the next few years, you know, mm-hmm. because of the COVID 19 So we have these different sets of uh, economy that we are facing right now, right? Everywhere is affecting around the world. So when we talk about COVID 19 uh, we also look at the waves, meaning that you know after the lockdown, what should we do? You know, there will definitely there's like the first wave, and then mm-hmm. the recovery stage, and then we are back with our Whatever it is, the economy is depending on which country. You know, I don't know, but how I look at it is that I understand that you know, being a micro startup or a bootstrap uh, founder is that you know we are always in this gig economy. You know, this gig economy whereby like you do uh, a lot of uh, validation, a lot of stuff that you know with your own uh, knowledge that you acquire your, which is your skills you know you have your skills right depending on what skills do you acquire like example for me i'm a graphic designer mainly yeah and then i learn, i'm learning coding right now i'm learning jamstack and i'm building static sites and you know some apis and trying to make my own website and monetizing it and then using stripe to you know make the button and then you know you can make purchasing people can purchase easily yeah, yeah. and you can get the money easily From the bank as well, and then to your transferwise card or your bank card, something like that. Yeah, it's so easy. Yeah, it's so easy. So I think it's the most important thing is your, you know, your skills. Yeah, because looking at uh, some articles that I read before this was like it's the same thing that what I've went through. So it's something that is really important that we should adapt to bootstrap or like to micro startups because. At this situation right now, we are talking about what we are facing, right? So the gig economy is the first wave, and then we have the second wave, which is the talent economy. 
where all the skilled workers like healthcare, software engineers, construction service industry, and even people who are a teacher who's tutoring back at home for like home-based learning, right? Mm -hmm. So this is like more of like a talent economy. So you need to have skills, you know, you need to upgrade yourself. So the second wave we will be facing is more on the medium scale, which is like, you know, we are in the talent economy. So if you don't have skills, you got to pick up your skills. It's very important right now. Yeah. And then we'll, yeah. And then there will be the third wave, which is the knowledge economy. So for people who are the creative professionals, you know, they have the people who are the information workers. So it's very important and uh, it's much needed. It's very high. So we, we, we need this uh, economy. So economy of like people who are, who have knowledge, you know? So mm -hmm. economy, talent economy, knowledge economy, uh, pretty much much needed uh, for us uh, running micro startups or bootstrap and it's so suitable mm -hmm. uh, in this industry right now as it's like a chicken and egg problem. It's like a marketplace. You know, we're yeah. trading yeah. each other, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They need to be in, in a loop and complement each other. Yeah, like example, you're doing a podcast and I'm paying you with my money and then mm. we're trading with each other. So we have to do this. Like we have to provide our own economy. We can't, you know, depend on probably the government or, you know, the new emerging markets or anything like that. Because just to clarify that that was only the example. <laughs> Fajar is not paying me to record this podcast. Don't worry. <laughs> this is an example. But you can, if you want, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the government also is helping the gig economy as well like for the freelancers like the professionals those who are sole proprietors uh, those probably also like digital nomads yeah so i'm really happy that you know the government in singapore you know our prime minister is so awesome and even like the ministers here are helping us we have this covid19 support and for everyone and they will not leave everybody behind. They will help every single one of us, whether you are married or mm. divorced, single, running a small business. So the big business will help the small business. The small business will help the big business. So in this time, we are all in together, regardless of race, regardless of religion. All of us are in this together because well, it's very that. difficult to fight this COVID-19. So everybody got to stick together and you know, be social responsible. And we have to, you know, to, to if I, create something. Uh -huh. yeah. If I, if I may ask you, uh, like focusing uh, again on, on uh, working, uh, could you tell uh, where is your majority of incoming, um, of, of, of the income coming in uh, for you? Like, uh, do you still do the, the gigs or do you have some like subscription mm, yeah. model with your customers? How, how does it look for you? So currently right now, um, mm -hmm. I'm focusing more on the um, gig economy. Mm -hmm. So the gig economy is more on like um, paid jobs, like, you know, if somebody needs my service, because this is much needed right now. So my focus is now on this rather than the... Is um, consulting? Yeah. Or do, you, do you do like one-off uh, one websites or, or some other design? What, what is it in, you know, uh, in particular? Yeah. So I do consultation. So people just uh, call me and then I will speak for one hour and I will share more about branding and marketing. And then other than that, I provide like feedback and reviews and like, uh, you know, influencer kind of uh, related work like paid. 
like paid sponsored posts kind of thing. So they kind of just buy me coffee kind of thing. So I don't want to make it like a official thing where, you know, go to my website and pay me and then you, uh, I will post you something and then, um, then, you know, I share it to my followers. I don't want to do that because uh, I find it like, uh, it's like I'm hoping too much like this turn into a job, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just an influencer that, you know, who provides, I want to provide as much value as I can when someone needs really help. Like, like, you know, you build a website and then you need the feedback and you need a review and then you need ideas. And then I will just vet through all your website and what is needed. And then we can share with you some ideas and then you can build something and create something and run a campaign or something. And then probably from there, you can just, um, buy me a coffee kind of thing because I like the idea of the tipping culture. So it doesn't really push people where, you know, everything needs to set a price. I understand that, you know, everybody runs a business. They need to have a price pricing model, right? Like how much does this cost, what you will get and everything. But at the same time, I'm also being very flexible. So I have two options. I always create two options. One, I have uh, some pricing model where Mm -hmm. there's a different tier pricing on different different types of products or service and another one i have like uh more on the flexibility of people uh, making transaction uh, to me based on uh the tips that i give the ideas the advice more like a very flexible very consulting way yeah uh-huh. so there's two ways either they can chat with me or it's either they can just call me and then as well as um they uh i also provide uh some like a uh, promotion so i will make in a creative way of promoting them like probably mm-hmm. like videos or probably like yeah. something like a shout out or something and then they will just buy me a coffee so that was like a few of the, uh, people who can afford it and then they will pay me at a very high price mm-hmm. uh, but that also is very flexible so they 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 are paying so i didn't ask them like how much they should be paying you know and then there will be a different uh set of uh, other people who don't really have much money but they only have a certain budget and then I will just provide them whatever information or feedback that's much needed based on the budget that they, they want to fork out on the tipping that they want to tip, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I find that tipping is very flexible. I find that tipping is very useful uh, for makers and creators. I mean, a lot of people don't look at this like uh, a stability of source of income. They feel like, oh, this is not much needed. But with this amount of money during difficult times, like the pandemic times, or you're working remotely, you know, it's like a, it's like a stash. You know, it's like you can use it for groceries. You can pay a bit of your bills. You know, it's a bit here and there, you know. And it's it's working for you. It's working because uh, I put effort on it. So uh, how do I put effort on it? Is uh, I focus on branding and marketing and as well as uh, for community. So I find that this is very useful, like tipping. Like a lot of people don't don't look on uh, when they monetize, they look on tipping culture. They find that tipping is uh, only uh, like begging, you know, it's like you're begging to people or like you are doing some like show on this, on the, you know, like busking kind of thing, like on the side road, you get a tipping for that or doing something good. But tipping can go bigger. We see things uh, differently. You know, when you ask a favor from people, you know, back in my country, you know, if you do a favor for somebody, we will ask for coffee money. You know, like we say <laughs> in Malay, like, uh, hey, I could not do it, copy. Like, you know, I want copy, do it. Like coffee money, you know? 
yeah, then yeah, people nice. will just give you some uh, like probably twenty dollars. That that is like four cups of coffee, you know. So mm. that's that's enough for a day, probably for some people. But mm. that will actually helps them, you know. So with tipping itself, I think it's really important uh, for culture, you know. It's like uh, it's really good, but you don't make it as a a full time kind of thing, like a like a monthly kind of thing. But you can share people about tipping culture because it's it's very useful uh, in any ways that you want to monetize anything online because it doesn't mean you need to depend on just business and then your pricing model. You know, I find it interesting because like um, when I started to use the tipping culture like buy me coffee or patreon i find that it's very useful for for creators and makers yeah because you you help to build something or provide value in people so that's where people start to appreciate yeah if Mm. if not then you don't use that yeah Yeah, yeah. i I also uh, think that this is a very good analogy to uh, busking because i was doing busking by myself in back in sydney uh, wow. i was dancing on on the uh, streets in in sydney and uh it's it's a very very good uh, experience for for anyone especially if you are a uh, young age and you you yeah. want to experience the world yeah. uh, there is nothing better than having this uh, like straight direct connection with a customer <laughs> who yeah. is like a random you know common uh, person just just going through and and they most of the time they they are not even aware that you are from some foreign country wow. coming to to do something here and uh i i found that the the only people who are tipping uh, are are those who who really appreciate w- w- what you are doing mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what you are doing doing you know it's it's like being an artist is is uh, having no boundaries in terms of uh you can paint you can dance you can sing you can you know stand on your head but if you do this really um convincing you know like if you if you make people laugh or you make people enjoy the day or or you are the highlight of the day for for someone who is like really stressed or really down and mm-hmm. and just see your you know crazy stuff doing, mm-hmm. then they will give you whatever they have, and, yeah. and it's it's always nice. And if we extend it to this uh, digital life now, when uh, you can uh, do, for example, in in your case, it's it's really nice to see when you uh, do the videos for some uh, startups or mm-hmm. some other. Uh, SaaS uh, companies, but then you, from time to time, may see when you post the yo-yo uh, videos, and this is like remarkable. Seriously, like <laughs> in podcast we cannot uh, show it, but of course we put uh, some links to 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 yeah. um, to see it. And uh, like even better message when when I was talking with you at the time is mm-hmm. that you you send those uh, print screens of people who were you know giving you money. Just because you <laughs> you did some tricks with Yoyo on the internet, yeah. Yeah. and this is the the final proof that this is working. Yeah. It's working definitely. Mm-hmm. People people are paying for that kind of stuff. Even I had a problem uh, the day before I will travel to India. 
Mm. I was supposed to travel in India. So I was packing my stuff. You know, digital nomad, they always have to pack their stuff and make sure they not forget things, right? In their bag. So I was packing. I accidentally slip off my camera and my lens just broke. Oh. And, then, and then I I just posted Twitter because out of my emotions, I mean, I'm a human, right? So I just said like, oh, I'm like feeling very down right now. And my lens just broke. I mean... And then I just shared, like, if you want to buy me a coffee, you can buy me a coffee. You know, I just put a link there because I was so down. Um, and then the next moment, I was traveling, like, I think eight hours in the airport. Right after I arrived in the airport. And then I saw so many notifications. People from all over the world were just like, hey, don't worry, Fajar, we got you this. You know, we got you, we got you. And people keep just transacting all these coffees. And I was like, wow, this... It's not tipping. This is helping, and people are patroning because they don't want you to feel down, because you know they want you to be happy, and they understand that you are facing something that is valuable. So I learned so much things about that as well. And before that, I met an, a lot of makers who were going through some hard times. Like they are digital nomad and they are makers, but they don't share this uh, publicly, and it's just privately between me and them. But I can't mention their name. Mm-hmm. I helped uh, them to share uh, their coffee links to other people as well because they were stuck and they didn't even have money to buy for groceries. Yeah. Can you imagine? That's, that's how tough. Because it's not because they want to be that way. It's because that's there's something about their life that happens. You know, they're stuck somewhere and something happened. It's just some some tests, some trials. I don't know, yeah. some yeah. difficulties that they are facing. So this is something that is very useful that we can actually use to help others from all over the world. There's a lot of people who need this kind of um, you know, support. Even, even it's like $5, $10. Yeah. I, remember, I remember I got my first coffee. It was just like $5 and I was so broke. I got my first coffee and there was this lady who sent me and then uh, I used that to just buy some vegetables and I can mm-hmm. eat my rice those were the days that i remember i was going through some mental health mm. i was so stressed because i was running um, a lot of projects this was not micro startups this was just my main company mm-hmm. before i became really active uh, on micro startup and you know my other stuff about indie making mm-hmm. and then it was so difficult i was going through some mental health i was so stressed and then um, it was very difficult times i remember i got that my first coffee I bought a lot of vegetables, which is five dollars. That's so cheap. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to hear this this kind of stories. It's <laughs> it's really uh, important. And I I also had those days <laughs> when I was busting. Yeah. Everyone has those days. Like yeah. you only have that amount, and that's it. Done. You know. Mm. And then I you begin to share with other people. You communicate with other people. It's not because you want to sell something or you want to ask money from people. It's not like that. Mm. It's something that you know out of humanity you share your struggles and what you're going through and you keep on trying the thing is that you keep on trying and you you just do what you believe in and what you really want to build and you keep on going and from time to time you know things will happen you know people will will people can sense you know people can feel that you know you're going through some difficulties it's not that you purposely ask money because you want to back money easily because it's buy me coffee it's not like that <laughs> some people misuse uh, some things so they don't get what they get and some people just just not lucky to get maybe yeah. because they're not putting effort I guess or maybe they don't I don't know it's just them it's just 
their personality on or how their presence is this yeah circumstances of course yeah um, so if i if i could uh, ask uh, ask you the 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 uh, final question regarding something that you started in the beginning um just in terms of of how the company is set up uh, the reason i'm asking this is uh, that I'm really interested in uh, the structures that people choose to, and in the age of, of um, almost anyone can become the digital knower, it's quite important to, to know where you can set up your company. For example, in the UK, this is where I choose to, to set up uh, my activity. And uh, it's really uh, helping me you know, over the years and many people Uh, especially from Poland, uh, are having a lot of questions uh, because I, I published the articles about it. So I, I think you are the very good person to, to tell us about how it is in Singapore and also yeah. in terms of what you said, uh, that if you want to run the uh, Muslim-oriented uh, company, you also need to have some kind of additional checkup. Yeah, so I think uh, it's very simple. So whoever who wants to start a company, um, always... Uh, You got to decide where you want to be based at. So if you're, if you're not a digital nomad, then it's a different thing. Mm -hmm. But if you want to set up just because, um, you know, your base is just in that one particular location and then you should register your company in that particular location and not somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a very basic thing. So the, the, the ones that um, the, related to your question regarding about Uh, being a digital nomad and registering your company in a different country and you're mm -hmm. from a different country. So uh, there's a few of it. I, I I saw some and, you know, it's very useful information. I, I, I read some. But I still believe Singapore provides so much value for people from other countries, like foreigners, mm -hmm. you know, to actually open up company and they encourage people to actually do business in the ASEAN region. So mm -hmm. I, it's very easy. Uh, nowadays, we have a service online, so you can do things digitally, like example, awesome.com. So yeah. like you can incorporate your company, but um, you're from other country, and they are also uh, very easy to set up. So basically, you just fill up the official requirements, like uh, what the Singapore government wants, like you know, uh, the director or the registered address and everything, and then you're going to get your company registered, and then you have to open a bank account, and then your routine regarding about your accounting mm -hmm. so if you unsure about all this it's very easy just go and ask and talk to an expert who's already running who, who is uh, providing these services mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. a lot of people will always ask the uh, common questions like you know you want to open a company in Singapore and then you want to get an employment pass you know they, they, they call it the short form they call it the EP and they mm -hmm. want to relocate themselves and their family in the country whereas this is another one which is you're already in Singapore, but you are foreign working and living in Singapore, but you want to start a business or with or without leaving your current job. So mm -hmm. that one is like more of like uh, being an entrepreneur. So there's a lot of areas that you can, you can focus on. And then um, like, for example, like you want to incorporate a company for a full service is like um, 2.5, Okay, like 2,550, that's uh, for accounting, you have additional of 1,200. So it really depends on, uh, you know, what kind of service that it requires for you to start a company. But definitely there will be a cost to it, right? Definitely mm -hmm. will be a cost to it. So in order for you to start all this, you need to plan 
um, you know, your branding name, your domain name, everything else. Yeah. So yeah. For, for the time being, you can do that just by registering a domain. Very simple. But incorporating is a different thing and opening a bank account is a different thing as well. Because mm-hmm. for bookkeeping, for accounting and texting, everything else, uh, you're paying, you will be contributing to the tax uh, for the econ- economy in Singapore, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for people who wants, for digital nomads who wants to open a company, uh, they, they, they have a, a lot of additional things as well, like uh, employment pass, dependent pass. Uh, they have the bank account opening. Then they have the company stamp. Uh, then they have the COP pass registration because this COP pass is like only for businesses who wants to log in. So for local, for us, we have Sing Pass, which is which is our identification number, and then our password, which supports by two FA, the SMS, and another mm-hmm. one is called COP Pass for those who have companies, right? So for me, I have Sing Pass as a local Singaporean citizen, and mm-hmm. then COP Pass is for those. Uh, who's running a business. So they need this uh, login uh, details. Whereas you have a business registration number. Uh, it's, it's called UEN. So upon registering, you will get your own UEN and you have to pay for the fees for the COP pass registration. And then you can file in for your tax and also for your employees if you have uh, employees and also uh, those necessary online corporate transactions uh, with the government because they have all that. So all, mm. all of this, you can do it online. If you don't know any single thing, you have no nuts of any news or any, you don't know anything, you can just go to osome.com, awesome.com. And mm-hmm. everything is there and you can chat with them and they can reply. And for more, you can also read the blog. They, 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 they write some really good articles as well. Yeah, you don't need a Singaporean to help you to open a company. So you are a foreigner, no problem. You can just ask questions. You can open a company. You yourself can be an owner or a founder or a managing director or, mm. or I don't know. I don't I don't call it CEO, but we call it managing director over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same. C level is really yeah, yeah. huge. You have like board of directors and investors and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, so you need to incorporate your company. And then later on, you can provide your service like digital service and then you do your yearly uh, accounting uh, for your income tax uh, assessment uh, with the IRAS. IRAS is the for the texting in Singapore. Yeah. So you can just Google. So it really depends on your base where you want to uh, open up your business. So for me, uh, I'm a Singaporean. Uh, it's not because I want to support uh, Singapore uh, you know, business service or what, mm-hmm. but I find that Singapore has the best ever for people to open a business I suggest this should open a company in Singapore. Mm. That's why there's so many companies across from like US, uh, even from China, and uh, people from India, they are coming here and they, they open a company in here. And yeah. they live here. They, that's why we, we have so many diversity in here in Singapore. We have so many foreign talents, like people from China, people from India, people from the US, even people from the UK move here. So uh, there's so many. There's so many people from, from the Europe also as well. They 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 stay here in Singapore. They run a company, and now they are running a business. Yeah, it's definitely one of those very important financial hubs, and and now also like the the digital nomad hubs. You know, in terms of setting <laughs> yeah. up a company or or also visiting. So I, I totally rec- recommend <laughs> going there. It's so easy. You can just go online and do all this, and you know you mm. don't have to be thinking so much. 
a lot of people always think about um, how to do this, how to do that. But nowadays, we got all the digital platform, yeah. and you can just go and ask. Yeah. So, so, so it's so nice that they they managed to to make it. So yeah. So, yeah. You need a proper paperwork because, like you know, paperwork is the most things that people will get nightmare because of their deadlines, their fire report, and then. You know, there's so many things like late nights, you can't sleep because you need to think about your business, right? Your profit and everything. Exactly. exactly. So, so, you know, as a digital nomad, you want to be professional as well, but enjoying the lifestyle, you have to fix your habit, your discipline. So it's really difficult to adjust everything. You know, it's so difficult. So being a digital nomad, meaning that you are working with your laptop from places to places, whether it's a public places, whether it's a private place like hotel so you have to adapt to different environment mm -hmm. yeah so you have to fix your schedule and everything I, i'm bad at that as well because every digital nomad they know that they are struggling with the time uh, especially uh, working remotely you have struggled with the time zones from people from different country like the other day i have a remote video call and that mm -hmm. guy uh, was the opposite timing so for them it's 10 p.m for me yeah. it's 10 a.m of our difference yeah yeah <laughs> it's like that big time yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's very difficult. thank you very much for all of the details that you give us and um, i'm really glad that we could uh, record this this uh, conversation yeah i wish you all the best uh, stay safe <laughs> during the situation yeah i, I need you know, you, you. I've been following you on Instagram, and I saw the places that you go. You really love nature, and you really love, uh, you know, being a vegetarian. It's really nice to see the menu. You know, you read about, I mean, <laughs> about all this vegetarian stuff. You know, I would love to see more, like more photos of the food. Maybe I don't know. Maybe one day you will publish on the website. Probably I will be the first to subscribe uh, to <laughs> local food because a lot of people, like for myself, you know. For me, like, you know, healthy habits, we need to focus on, you know, the food intake, right? Calorie intake, all this diet thingy and everything. I've been learning this like, for the past one year as well. So, like, for me, I'm still eating meat. Yeah, but I still love to see, like, how people cook uh, or eat vegetables because the way they cook the vegetables. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there is uh, a, a huge knowledge to that. And I, I don't call myself a master in it. Especially being in Southeast Asia, I prefer to go out uh, or take it away. So I, I trust the local chefs more than I trust myself and my cooking skills <laughs> that are almost non-existent. So uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, the, the conscious choices you you do every day matter, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I I, I focus on on vegetarian slash vegan food whenever uh, wherever I, I go and and. Um, for, for all, all the uh, you know uh, meals that i have yes so very important it is the best to keep you healthy and keep on going mm -hmm. yeah you're very very healthy it's, it's like <laughs> look at your figure and you know what you eat you know if somebody is listening to this podcast you should follow pure track on instagram <laughs> if you don't i mean the pure track name is a common name in poland yes it's, it's a common name right one of the most common names, but uh, for um, unknown reasons, uh, people usually use the uh, version that is shorter, Piotr. Uh, Piotr. Yeah. yeah, 
which is uh, like my official name that that I have in my passport, but all of my Polish friends called me Piotrek because that's that's kind of the, the common way to, to pronounce it. And uh, I decided at some point that, uh, oh, you know, like I love to learn names of my friends uh, in every place where I go mm -hmm. uh, instead of, of finding the equivalent in English uh, mm -hmm. because it's so uh, kind of, you know, too easy. Uh, yeah. And again, there is always a meaning, a story behind a name. So I, I also like to to tell the story of of my name when when someone is uh, interested in that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's the, the the thing why I use Piotrek, uh, not Peter. Uh, but uh, uh, going back to Instagram, I am not uh, like a wellness uh, instructor <laughs> or anything. Okay. I really like your photos. It's very nice. You keep you, you share wherever you go, you explore. And then as well as uh, people can follow you uh, at Nerd on Tour. Yes. yes N-E-R-D-O-N-T-O-U-R. And yeah, there's a lot of uh, photos that you can see, especially the recent updates in uh, Kuala Lumpur and in ASEAN region. Yeah. Exactly. See you go around and explore. I really wish I can meet you again in Kuala Lumpur until... You know, hopefully, hopefully, uh, as soon as possible. But uh, let's wait when it's also safe. You know, like don't don't rush, especially in this situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, other than that, I think for for more people can just follow me on Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter. Uh, just follow me. But sometimes I'm slow at replying because there's so many notifications. So maybe <laughs> just follow me on Instagram. But if you want to chat me on Telegram, make sure it be. Uh, specific about what you're asking <laughs> I'm not going to reply because there's so many people chatting with me every single time on Telegram I don't I, sometimes I don't understand what they're asking to yeah, like, yeah. Last, like last night I, I had a, like somebody just chat with me um, they are from like some podcast uh, like production they want to be they want me to be on podcast as well so I haven't really replied but they are from local Mm. and then some other people running some newsletter so this is the kind of uh, thing that I'm getting from the community mm. so it's very important to be active in the community replying yeah but like like I hope like you have anybody who wants to be part of the community I hope they have uh, more time so they can participate and talk to uh, people in the community especially on Twitter Slack or Telegram uh, right. thank you again and uh, see you soon See you soon. Take care. Be your track. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Would you like to be notified about new episodes? Subscribe to Nerd on Tour newsletter. It's an email subscription list about all things digital nomad. Each Tuesday, you will get a minimalistic email from me. It can contain a short story, link to a new blog post or podcast episode. Every time I try to make it practical and thoughtful. Subscribe at nerdontour.net slash newsletter.